0: Hello, Redemption's Hill family and friends out there. There there are a million things that you could be doing right now, uh, but I'm grateful that you've decided to spend a little bit of time with us as we dig into the Word of God and and ask Him that He would use it mightily. Uh, I want to be clear about something. Countless pastors have um, had to become videographers over the last week or so. Uh, they spent hours researching cameras, uh, live streams, video mics, lights, things that they've never done before. They've dragged camera gear out, uh, recorded a message that they have uh, labored over, uploaded it after they edited it, and forwarded it out, all while praying for the process. Now, this whole deal, none of it from, from pastors I know, pastors on the ground, none of this has been because pastors just really think that their faces need to be on more screens in in your home or on your phone. The reason pastors and churches have labored to put out videos is because there is this uh, core conviction inside of them that the Bible is living and that it does things and that it can change you and that it can give you hope and it can transform you through the good news of Jesus. Uh, So that's the reason that myself and many uh, like me have been putting out these videos uh, is really we're deploying sermons so that in the middle of the chaos, we don't just grab your attention for a couple moments, but that we're praying that the hope of Christ would hit you through the word of God and that that would land on you where you're at. So that's my hope for this time, that you uh, would have the word land on your heart and then it would kind of move some things around and, and change you and give you hope in Christ Jesus. Today we'll be looking at the book of Philippians um, and the topic of contentment. Last week I did a three-point sermon. I really don't do those very often, but I thought, you know what, let's double down and do it again. So so we're going to try that again. And the three points that that we're going to hit um, through this sermon today are this. First, contentment in the chaos. The second is learned not in a book or on the streets. And the third is the secret that isn't really that hidden. We'll read from Philippians 4 uh, to be able to dive into those points. We'll be grounded in that part of the Word of God. So, Philippians 4, we're going to read not very many verses, uh, but we're going to start in verse 10 and we're going to read uh, to or through verse 13. It says this I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. One thing you may notice, depending on uh, how much you've been around church or familiar with the word of of God, verse 13 in this text, especially the I can do all things part of it, is unquestionably one of the most proof-texted or taken out of context verses in the entire Bible. Meaning regularly, uh, people use it to try and teach others that nothing is impossible for you in life. That because of Jesus and, and His strength and His victories and in His abilities, that now we can harness that strength of His, and we, really we can kind of do anything in life. So people who are facing difficulty in their business or with their family, or maybe there's a, a financial hurdle that they don't know if they could they could kind of clear it for themselves. They'll begin to try and. Claim this verse and apply it over the situation Be like i don't know if i could do it but i can do all things through christ who strengthens me believing because jesus is strong that they can triumph over whatever situation comes their way the really big problem with that application of the text is that the bible never actually says that The I can do all things that's found in Philippians 4 verse 13 is actually in reference to the idea of being content, of contentment. I can be content as a follower of Christ in all things. Paul is saying in every circumstance, I can be content. Not just when I win or not just when, when I come out on top or I am victorious. Not just in every circumstance when my preferred outcome is, is what ends up coming about. But no matter what comes my way, contentment can be mine because of Christ. I don't know if there's a more relevant time to kind of dive into that and, and think about that for us. So the first point, contentment in the chaos. I wonder if you believe that that is possible right now, that you can have contentment in the middle of the scenario that we find ourselves in. Can contentment be something that we have when the world seems to be just kind of upside down? I've discussed it with quite a few people over the last week that in our lifetime, we've never really seen anything like this. We've uh, never had a situation where at the best case scenario, our life has been put on pause. Right? For many of you, work has moved from the office to home. And, and the way you normally do it is kind of paused because that's all been, been shifted. And if you have kids, school has been moved from, from a building to your house and, and your living room. And our social calendar has, has taken a pretty big hit as pretty much everything on it has been canceled or suspended. All of our hobbies and our interests and our habits and, and our desires and our obsessions that we normally take part in, they're kind of gone for right now. We can't go to the gym that we're used to frequenting. Uh, We can't go to the baseball games that would be starting right now. I'm sorry, Cardinals fans. Uh, We can't go to Flyover or Bardow or Coley's if you're here in Columbia for fine dining. We can't go get a, a killer cup of coffee at Fretboard right now. We are left with this gaping hole in the life that we carefully and meticulously crafted for ourselves. We've worked so hard to make our life be kind of arranged in a certain way. And all of a sudden there's a hole in that because we can't live that life out the way that we wanted. That whole thing has been paused. On the other end of the spectrum, some people's lives, they're not just paused. They're massively altered. as they don't have a job anymore because of what's happening. Countless retail and, and service and food industry and hourly wage workers and, and many other scenarios literally have uh, no idea when their next paycheck is coming in because of the stay-at-home order and they can't go to work. If that's not a situation that you feel currently, would you just pause for a moment and understand there are a lot of people around you who are having to deal with that. There are people who do not know when they'll be paid again and that's a, that's a hard thing for them. No matter if your life has been paused or massively altered by COVID-19, one thing is for sure that we have been thrown headfirst into a chaos that we did not expect. We have in many ways been brought low in the life that we have worked at, the rhythms and routines that we are used to and we have so vigilantly worked to build up for ourselves. Every single one of them has been kind of taken away or paused. We have been brought low because the life that we've crafted, we can't live right now, at least not in the way that we were used to. There's no person who stands over this situation and can say, oh, this is exactly what I hoped would happen. This is, this is perfect. Nobody can do that which raises the question, in this season that we are all facing together, can we find contentment knowing that we didn't ask for this and we didn't want this? In a time of trial, in a moment of pain, in a moment of suffering, in a moment of unknown, can that type of of, of situation or circumstance intersect with contentment in our hearts? Or is it Really, the the understanding that that, that difficulty is, is completely incompatible with contentment. Can we stand in both realities? Can we be in a hard situation and be content or can we not because those two things won't go together? That's what we're wrestling with. Before we can answer that question, we should probably ask ourselves together, okay, what exactly is contentment? What is it? How do we process it? How should we see it? The Greek word rendered as contentment here in Philippians 4 means something like being sufficient in oneself, to be self-supportive, self-sustained, self-reliant, to be strong enough. All of these ideas carry this connotation of being stable, upright, and strong in the way that you're living. This idea has been taken from Stoic philosophers of Paul's day who boasted that contentment was this inner position uh, that, that is really the marriage of freedom and discipline. The ability to conquer all circumstances and situations instead of having situations and circumstances that conquer you. Such a position of the marriage of freedom and discipline would be the exact opposite of living a life of worry and anxiety. Paul's straining to show the mix for us, where contentment means here to be upright and stable and just have this posture where your heart is just, it's okay. It's not restless and unsettled, but instead you hold to this sense of of peace and freedom internally where all things are well in your heart and your, your heart can kind of breathe and relax because no matter what's happening, you are satisfied, relaxed, maybe even gratified in the moment. So to answer the question from before on if trial and contentment can coexist, we are asking, can we be in a state of of freedom and satisfaction when our heart is, is pacified and okay, even though the wheels seem to be kind of falling off in the world around us? Can those things happen? When life is hard, when things are difficult, can we still be content and okay? If you're, if you're kind of picking up what we're, what we're trying to lay down here, what we're asking is, can externally things be in, in shambles and, and be rubble while internally we have a foundation of strength and beauty? Can those dichotomies exist at the same time? Which leads us to point two. Learn not in a book or on the streets. Paul says, I have learned. I have learned in every situation that I am in to be content. He even expands on telling us a little bit about it. I know how to be brought low, to have things not go my way. I know how to abound. I know how to face plenty and to face hunger. I know how to face abundance and need. I know how to live when things are cool and when things are not. Paul is saying that in the good and the bad, when cash is on hand and when he's broke as a joke, in every circumstance, trial or victory, he has learned to be content and satisfied and feel free even if situations are hard. He is okay no matter what life throws at him. Somehow he's learned to live this way. Now, Paul is the perfect case study and authority over this matter if we look closely at his life because he had a lot of difficult stuff come his way. 2 Corinthians 11 gives this list of hardships that he went through. It says that, that, that Paul essentially had a frequent flyer card with all the jails around like he would roll into a city he would preach the gospel there would be unrest and he'd be thrown into jail over and over and over like oh Paul is here again he would go to jail all the time he was beaten and flogged countless times to be flogged is to be whipped with a range of objects maybe a whip a, a, a lash a rod a cat of nine tails which is the stick with leather on it and at the end of the leather is all these items that would kind of rip up your skin when it hit you he faced death on repeat he was stoned one time like not like at a college concert stone but like with rocks he was stoned he was shipwrecked 3 times can you imagine being shipwrecked 3 times not once not twice 3 times imagine paul is your friend and he walks up to you he's like hey let's get on a boat you're like no i'm cool I don't think I'm going to do that. He's in constant danger of being robbed as he traveled to share the gospel. Uh, Jews and Gentiles who agree on nothing, many of them agreed on the fact that they hated Paul. He was often hungry and cold and wet and didn't have a place to sleep at night because he was going all over and didn't have much uh, to his name at different points. It even says that, that in one of, uh, one of his shipwrecks, after he came to uh, the shore, after being shipwrecked, he, he got bitten by a viper. Can you imagine that? A shipwreck, you get to shore and then a snake bites you. Like he had rough days. It's safe to say Paul knew what trials were. Paul also had days of great joy where he ate fine meals with good friends. He had moments of rest and peace where he stayed in a place and he was well cared for. He had moments of ease and abundance. Uh, he, He had experienced all different kinds of stuff. He had difficulty and he had moments of contentment. Paul is telling us explicitly that it is possible, no matter which of those situations you are in, to be content even in the, may, in the middle of pain, even in the middle of trial, he goes, I have learned to do all of that stuff and be content. This has to leave us saying, okay, Paul, how did you learn that? What's the life hack? What did you do? Was it a TED talk? Like, How, how did you figure it out? Was it a book? Was it a scroll? Did some philosopher teach you uh, how to be enlightened and find contentment? Did, did Oprah, Dr. Phil and Deepak Chopra like go back in time and, and, and help you figure out how to align your chakras? Like what in the world happened? And Paul's like, no, 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 none of that. No book, no philosopher taught this to me. Well, then did you get it from, from hard knocks, from, from the streets, from, from experience? Paul, is it just a matter that you had so much bad stuff happen to you that you just kind of got used to it? No. No, that's not either. When we back up and we ask the question to ourselves, hey, how does contentment come in someone's life? Though we may not actually vocalize it out loud, our answer quite often could be that we believe contentment comes when you earn it or arrive at it. As if it's a destination, a milestone. It's easy to think of of, of contentment to be this this place that you're traveling to and and that you're going to get there someday. Once I get this next career move, then I will be content. That'll be it for me. Once I get married, that's it. When I have kids, when I get those kids out of my house, once I have six months of, of bills and I start a 401k... Once I have enough money to buy a new bike or a car or a house or a second house or when I'm finally able to get whatever it is to you, we can generally think then at that point I'll be able to be content because I've arrived to this spot. But Paul wants us to know none of these things, books, streets, or destinations, none of those are what give us contentment. None of them are. Before we get to the secret to how Paul learned contentment in life, I do want to back up a little bit and ask us a question about our lives that's really going to require us to answer it uh, honestly and critically. If you'd allow me, me, let me ask you this question. Would you wrestle with it? Yes, we're aiming at asking, can we find contentment in hard times? Which is really just a way to get at asking the, the, the more specific question to us that's relevant right now, the more pressing question, can we find contentment in current times? Can we, in the middle of COVID-19, of stay-at-home orders, of unknown, can we, in the middle of all of that, find contentment? This is really similar to Paul's uh, understanding of can we find contentment even when we, are, when we are brought low, when things aren't really going our way. But before we can really take a run at answering that question for our own lives, there's another question that we have to wrestle with first. We have to deal with it before we can get to that other question. The question is simple in that it's not complicated to, to mentally understand, but possibly it could be hard for us because we don't really want to engage with it in a way that causes us to, to wrestle with it and answer it over our own lives. So, so here is the question. Would you answer it honestly? Were you at a place of contentment before? We're asking, can we find contentment when we're brought low? But but backtrack before that. Were you at a place of contentment before COVID-19 came to us? Were you truly and fully content then? Before we had our lives changed? When our lives could really be carried out however we wanted, when there was no limitation to where we could go or how many people we could be around, when none of our hobbies or interests were affected, when the job that we have and our economy was not in question in that spot, that place of relative ease and abundance compared to where we are at now, were you content, as Paul talked about in the text, Did you find yourself satisfied and at peace? Did you feel freedom and did you feel gratitude? Was there a sense that you could relax and be at peace in your life? Or were you restless? Always looking for the next thing, always grinding, always hustling, trying to get to the next spot. Were you anxious? Maybe not trying to get to the next thing, but worried about all the things. Were you unsettled where your heart and soul just could not find rest? Here's my sneaking suspicion. More directly, let me say it this way. Here's what I think God is trying to say to us. Many of us, many of us, including my own self in certain ways. If we look at our lives before all of this closely, can probably see that when things were going well and when we had plenty, that we weren't really all that content. Some of us were not content at all and others weren't content in certain situations. But if we could look honestly at our lives, even before we were brought low, there were probably holes in our contentment and here is the rub. How will we be content when we are brought low now when we weren't even fully content when we abounded in life before? How, How do you do that? You may hear that and think, wow, that's, that's really not very helpful. Like, I thought you were going to kind of give us hope and, 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 and uplifting words in these crazy times. And before you turn it off, I, I do plan to do that. Here's what I think God has planned for some of us through all of this. We hadn't learned contentment in life prior to all this coronavirus stuff. At least not fully. But now in this place where life as we know it has kind of been taken away, in this place that we've been brought low, in this place of uncertainty, in this place of, of trial, I believe this is the exact place where God plans to teach us contentment. In the most unlikely way, when the world is in chaos, gripped by fear, I think right there is the exact spot where he plans to meet us and build us up in him, to teach our hearts how to be satisfied in him, to find freedom in him, to find peace in him, so that on the day that the clouds part and the storm clears past us, no matter how far away that might be, when or if abundance returns, that in that place we can have this brand new foundation built under us to where we've learned to be cont- content when we're brought low and now we can actually be content with when we abound what if he will build us up in the most unlikely spot to teach us how to live later point three this is where we differentiate this from self-help and we put the gospel in the secret that isn't that hidden The Stoic philosophers who said that contentment came from freedom and discipline, they relied on personal willpower and strength to gain contentment in life. They believed that a person could work really, really hard to discipline themselves to the point that they were just content or happy no matter what came their way. But I would argue that that idea of contentment wasn't even really contentment at all it really looked a whole lot more like kind of shutting off your heart in the real world rather than learning how to be content in a healthy way even when rough things come your way either way Paul flat out shows us that he wasn't strong enough to do that his strength internally that brought him freedom came from someone else Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The hymn in this text is a reference to Jesus. Not I can do all things in me. I can do all things in him. The secret was never about mental ascent for Paul. It was never about reaching a point or a destination where he would be happy. Paul says the secret to contentment resides in you, but it is not you. The secret is not a secret. It is Christ's strength living inside of you when you believe in him. Before we even get into what that actually means, can we agree that that is kind of a relief because if your contentment was placed hundred percent in your own hands doesn't that bring us more anxiety than relief because what if you aren't strong enough or what if you screw it up then that would mean that your life from here on out like ah, oh, you're just, sorry it's over no contentment for you But Paul shows us that learning contentment comes not from leaning on ourselves. It comes not from trying to make ourselves strong and immovable in life, but instead it comes from leaning into the one who is strong and immovable. It comes from relying not on what we can do or what we can accomplish, but instead on relying on what Christ has done and what he has already accomplished for us. This is a huge step. This is, this is the gospel. The gospel tells us that because of Christ's work on the cross, Christ came into our story and lived the life that we could not. And then he died for our sins and he paid the full penalty for our sins on the cross. And then he defeated death when he rose from the grave. And now whosoever believes in him and puts their faith and trust in him for the problem of their sins, whoever does this, that person is forgiven and adopted into the family of God. If you do that, then you live in the righteousness of Christ for you. As in you become righteous, not because you're righteous yourself, you become righteous because you vicariously wear the righteousness of Jesus over your life. Paul is drawing us to see this. The same way that you live in Christ's righteousness... The same way that you wear his forgiveness by accepting his work on the cross over you. Now go in the same way and live in his strength as well. You live in the righteousness that he's given you. Now live in the strength that he has given you as well. Proverbs 3, 5 literally says it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You might be thinking, okay, is it really that simple? That trusting brings contentment. Yeah, it is. The problem often becomes we love to be self-dependent and self-trusting. As in, we can trust Jesus sometimes, but then we would really kind of rather then after that trust ourselves. I'd rather follow my own rules and do my own thing and follow my own interests and do my my way. But the problem with that is when we walk in self-trust, doing things only our own way, it then erodes our ability to walk in the full strength that trusting Jesus would afford to us. And we walk out in our own strength and when we depend on our own selves, that is a surefire way to lose the ability to be content. What does this process of radically trusting Christ functionally do in our lives? It creates a scenario where your contentment is no longer dependent on you. And then it also makes a, a situation where your contentment is no longer dependent on, hear me, circumstance. That's the whole secret that Paul is revealing in Philippians. It wasn't that he'd gotten so good at having terrible things happen to him that he wouldn't budge. It was that his contentment hung on Christ's work for him. And the beauty of that is Christ's work is already finished and done. He has already forgiven you if you're in him. He's already adopted you if you're in him. He's already promised to never leave you or forsake you if you're in him. He's already lavished his love on you if you're in him. A good season or a bad season doesn't change that. A good market or a bad market does not remove that. Contentment can be yours if you trust him in all seasons because seasons don't change the trustworthiness of Christ. So here might be what God is asking from you right now. Will you trust Jesus in the middle of the storm or being brought low now? Will you trust him even now when so much is unknown in our culture? When there is much that is unsure, rest in the gospel which is firm. Cling to it now by believing it with everything you have. And see if that doesn't bring you contentment down deep in your heart in a way that you just never experienced before. Church, what a beautiful picture that God would, in this desert that we are in, refresh our souls. That in the wasteland, he would bring us living water. That in this place, he would build up our faith. That contentment we would find here, even when life isn't really going the way that we would plan. And then it'll stay with us later. Maybe on the day that things kind of return back to the way they were prior. Where do we go from here? If you have not trusted Jesus as your Savior, my my ask is simple. I am so glad that you listened, but I pray that you would now lean into the love of God by just asking him to save you. All of us sin, all of us need a Savior, all of us need redemption. So would you just pray, God, I need you. I need you. I want your hope. I want to follow you. I want to depend on you. Will you save me and taste and see that he is good? If you have any questions about that, I'll put my email on here. I would be so happy to talk to you or, or pray with you. But what better time than now than to trust Jesus? And if you were a believer, as we end today, I would say wherever you are, will you ask God by his spirit to help you trust Jesus more? To live in his strength? Would you ask him to build you up and teach you to rest in Christ's work to the point that no matter what comes your way, what circumstance, you could be content because you are relying on and leaning on the strength of Jesus. Would you wrestle with God by asking his spirit to help do that in you now? Man, this isn't a TED talk. This isn't just self-help. We need to, if we want these benefits, lean into the God of the universe and ask him to help teach us how to do this. Friends, we supplied a worship guide. There's a link available in this video. Here's the ask. Would you spend some time worshiping God wherever you're at? Yes, this sanctuary that I'm in right now is, is kind of closed to you. But you can turn wherever you're at into a sanctuary. We've supplied there a a call to worship and some prayers for you and some songs and some lyrics. And I would just say, would you use that time to sing out to your God? Worship him. And then pray asking him, help me to trust you. Help build up my faith even in this time that is different than what I expected. That's my hope for us. Let me pray. Yeah, I I pray that wherever we're at, that you would meet us. There's there's no way to make it easy. What we are in now is difficult and it's weighty and it's scary and there's anxiety and not knowing uh, some of us when when we'll get paid or, or when we'll have a job or if family members will get sick or any of those things. So I pray, will you meet us where we're at and will you help us to trust you? We need you draw us to you. God, would you be great? Would we have the sense that you were greater than anything that comes at us? Will you build up our faith in you, God? We ask that in your name. Be glorified. Jesus, draw us near. We love you. We pray that you would be made much of. Amen. Church, until I see you again in person, I pray that you have a great week and that your trust and dependence on Christ grows. I'll see you soon.